This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It is 5.08. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. First up this hour, we look into the corruption case against Singapore's former Transport Minister, S. Ishwaran. Yeah, so last July, uh, the, the transport minister, as you put, uh, was arrested and then released on bail in what the media called a rare top-level graft investigation. Now, just last week, he was formally charged with corruption and abuse of power, for which he pleaded not guilty. Now, uh, he's a senior member of the cabinet in Singapore, the Lee Sing Lung government. Uh, Ishwan then tendered his resignation from government uh, also as an MP and uh, has resigned as a member of the ruling People's Action Party. Now, for squeaky clean Singapore, this mm. is huge news, right? And especially corruption at this level. And so I think it's gotten people talking. But what's also interesting, Shamila, is that there is a Malaysian in the story. I mean, as always. Well, not as always, but there is a Malaysian in the story, and that is billionaire hotelier Ong Beng Seng. And so he's in the picture. And I know when we when we have this interview, uh, you know, in a couple of minutes with a political scientist from Singapore, we're going to be talking about Ong Beng Seng as well, because... Uh, uh, there is something about, I think, uh, the way business is done, uh, which is a dimension of the story, I think, that most people kind of overlook, right, in the discussion about corruption and, and power. So in case you're wondering exactly what that relationship was, so Ishwaran was charged with 27 offences in this corruption probe involving um, Singapore, uh, 384000 Singapore dollars. And these offences... Uh, among the accusations include the fact that Ishwaran allegedly accepted tickets to high-profile sporting events from Ong Beng Seng. Um, so this has actually gotten a little bit of uh, you know chatter and, and jokes going on social media because comparisons were being drawn to certain local figures and and saying, oh, football tickets? Is that all? Is that what counts as corruption in Singapore? Which I think goes back to the point you were making, squeaky clean Singapore, right? Because uh, this, I think the reason this is getting so much attention is also because there is this perception that a country like Singapore... Um, doesn't stand very lightly for something like this. Yeah, but uh, so, okay, so the, um, for people who don't know, Ong Beng Seng is uh, not just our hotelier, but he's also the owner of the Singapore Grand Prix, uh, which is a very uh, uh, important kind of event on the calendar. It's a kind of global event because as F1 Grand Prix tend to be. Uh, but there is a, a very important story in the business uh, 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 I think, viability of the Grand Prix in Singapore, which is a subsidy of about 60% of the total cost of the Grand Prix, which is something between 135 to mm. 150 million Singapore dollars. And that subsidy keeps the Singapore Grand Prix a profitable, uh, you know, proposition. So uh, there's that too. And because, you know, the, the question was whether there was some sort of quid pro quo, was it even necessary, considering that some uh, observers note that the Singapore Grand Prix brings in some 2 billion Singapore dollars worth of you know other types of economic activity, so so there's there are lots of turns in the story uh, and also something to you know that came up and I think conversations are being had about uh, uh, something that happened in the 
uh, mid nineties in nineteen ninety five, in fact, when uh, the when Lee Kuan Yew, the grand old man of Singapore, uh, and the current prime minister Lee Hsien Loong were both involved in what was considered unsolicited discounts given to them uh, the purchase of certain properties. So Ong Beng Seng uh, giving Singapore a bit of drama every couple of decades. We are going to be speaking after this with Walid Jumlat Abdullah, Assistant Professor of the School of Social Sciences at Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. But in the meantime, we want to hear from you. Are you following this case? Are you surprised that there might be high-level corruption in Singapore? You can call 77332900, send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. Become fabulous millionaires. BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9. It is 5.15. You're listening to the Evening Edition with Sharmila and Sharad. And joining us on the line is Walid Jumlat Abdullah, Assistant Professor of the School of Social Sciences at Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. Walid, good to have you with us. Hello, hi. Nice nice to be here today. So the media has prefaced uh, most of its reports on the Isuran case by calling it uh, a rare case. Do you think this is an accurate description? Were you personally surprised by the news? Well, I wasn't because uh, firstly, it is true. It is quite rare to see such cases of high-level corruption in Singapore, whether it's at the ministerial level or at the senior bureaucratic level. It's pretty rare, so I'm not surprised. And secondly, of course, uh, there would be a tendency to to downplay it also, right? Uh, because, I mean, and to be fair, if you look at any objective indicator, for instance, the Corruption Perception Index, every year Singapore is in the top 10. So so it is true, uh, although the mainstream media did uh, not, not downplay, but did uh, emphasize the fact that this is a rare case. Yeah, so tell us about the logic, uh, sorry, larger public response to the allegations of corruption. Does it damage the reputation of the ruling party, the People's Action Party? Um, and Or has the, the party been successful in framing this as an instance where it's willing to go after one of its own? Well, it's both, uh, because if you ask the PAP leaders, obviously they would rather that uh, this didn't take place, right? So that means that Obviously, reputationally, it, uh, they have taken a hit. I think they have admitted, maybe not in uh, the same words, but they have admitted as such. Uh, at the same time, it does show a willingness to go after one of their own. Uh, and Iswaran is a cabinet minister, and, uh, and the fact that this came to light and this was through an internal investigation, it does show that, uh, that they are willing to go after their, uh, one of their own. However, I think uh, the net... A net result is is a decline in the in the reputation for sure. I mean, it has taken a hit, even though they have shown that they have responded as they should have, uh, well, and they didn't try to cover this up. But definitely, people are people will be asking what's the screening process. So speaking of reputation, Ishwaran's arrest yeah. actually comes on the heels of another case involving properties that were rented by Ministers K. Shanmugam and Vivian Balakrishnan at uh, Ridout Road, I believe. And yeah. even though the Corrupt Practices Investigation Bureau found there was no evidence of wrongdoing, has that controversy also contributed to denting the PAP's reputation? I think that controversy is different uh, to this. Uh, because that wasn't about corruption, and this is about corruption. So the dent is definitely higher in this case. Now, for the other case, the Redout uh, Road case, it wasn't corruption, but 
uh, if there was reputational damage, it would be about the perception of inequality. Why are the ministers living in such big houses when uh, we are not? So, so that actually speaks. It's not the the readout road per se that was the problem, but it spoke of a larger problem of inequality, or that's why people were unhappy. I think so. Uh, it's important to separate these two cases. One is about uh, corruption, and the other is perception of inequality. The net result, I would say, is both were not helpful to the PAP for sure, as far as citizens are concerned. Now, you know, uh, Walid, you could help us understand where Ishwaran stands in, you know, in the kind of government structure or perception of power. Yeah. And so uh, he is a senior member of the cabinet. He's been there for a long time. But how close is he to the inner circle that runs the government? Yeah, he was a minister, as you rightly said, and he has been around for a long time. But he wasn't one of the senior, senior, the top, top ministers, right? He wasn't the minister of defense or uh, in the prime minister's inner inner circle. Uh, so, so yes, he's definitely senior enough for this to cause a reputational damage. But there are people who are more prominent, who whom the public know are more senior than him in, in the hierarchical order. Uh, so important, but not super important. That's what I would say. Going back to the charges against Ishwaran uh, itself, yeah. could you briefly could you briefly describe the charges in relation to Ishwaran's portfolio as Transport Minister as well as the Singapore Grand Prix, which uh, which the Malaysian billionaire ran? Yes, so basically it was the charges of him getting things in kind uh, for facilitating uh, the the business that had to do with the Grand Prix, and I have to be a little careful because Ishwaran has denied. Uh, any wrongdoing. So I don't want to say anything that could constitute uh, subjudice. But basically the charges were, a lot of Singaporeans were making uh, fun of it. I don't know whether you uh, you are aware, but were making fun of it because it was, it seemed to be trivial stuff like football tickets. Yes, yes. And uh, tickets to the musical, you know. So people were thinking what? You put everything on the line for this if it's true, right? Allegedly. But he has denied any wrongdoing. So, but basically, that's why, because I heard the, the preface uh, uh, you gave earlier, and uh, it involved Ong Beng Seng as well. And that was one of the uh, allegations as well, him facilitating uh, Ong Beng Seng's uh, business dealings. Yeah, so if you could get into a bit of that, because I think a lot of been said about the multi-million uh, Singapore dollar subsidy that the Singapore government gives to the Grand Prix to sustain it as a viable business proposition. Uh, can it be established? Is it going to be difficult to establish that the gifts were given in order to keep that subsidy, that there was some sort of quid pro quo? Is that going to be the stuff of the, the trial? I think that's part of it. Um, but I don't think that will be the the main part. I think uh, that the the idea now for Ishwaran, as far as he's concerned, is really about him uh, getting the gifts. So it's irrelevant. The earlier part is I don't think it's super relevant to this uh, because uh, that will be the the case that will be made against him. And I I think I I needed to m make a point that uh, it's also interesting that his lawyer is Davinder Singh, who's uh, a lawyer who's very prominent in the establishment as well. Uh, so he's going out right all on all guns blazing. So I think that uh, that is another dimension. I don't know what to make of it, but it's another added dimension that uh, we should uh, watch as well as this trial unfolds.
So let's talk a little bit more about Ong Beng Singh as well, right? Um, So far, no charges have been brought against him. And as Sharad pointed out earlier on in the show, Ong is also interesting because of his involvement in the 1995 scandal, which involved over a million dollars in discounts allegedly given to Lee Sien Lung and his father Lee Kuan Yew. Uh, And Ong is the founder as well as MD of Hotel Properties Limited, which uh, gave what the Lees called these unsolicited discounts. Now, what is the understanding of Ong's role in this corruption scandal? Yeah, so uh, Ong Bing Singh is a person who, who has uh, close links to the establishment, a businessman who has a lot of dealings, even if you see a lot of the Grand Prix uh, uh, pictures, the F1 pictures, a lot of the ministers are seen photographed with him. So he's not a nobody, he's quite well known in the business, maybe not amongst the ordinary Singaporean before this. But among the business and political elites, he's, he's very well known, right? So again, I uh, I need to be careful. Um, but uh, the idea is, I mean, one of the charges, as I said, and this was one of those that was widely reported as well, is that uh, uh, Iswaran, former minister Iswaran, facilitated uh, Ong Beng Singh's business dealings, especially when it comes to uh, the Singapore Tourism Board. So that's, that's another angle to this. So Ong Beng Singh is not a peripheral figure in in Iswaran's trial, he's going to be uh, the one of the main. He's going to be the the second main person uh, in this in this uh, entire show. So, uh, just to clarify, he's going to be a witness for the prosecution. Uh, uh, I, uh, yes, probably, but I don't. At, at the moment, at the moment, there are no charges that uh, uh, that that we know of that have been brought against uh, Ong Beng Singh. So. So, yeah, that's, that's all we know as of now. Yeah. Okay, let's come back to the political implications of this issue and case. Um, yeah. uh, the ruling party, as I understand it, is likely to call for an election this year if, if in a past practice. Oh, it could be next. Yeah. It could be it next could year, be right? It could be this or next year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. It, it, at any rate, it's coming quite soon, right? And so Ishwan, uh, as an MP, won his seat. <laughs> Uh, I believe by the narrowest margin in the last election, some uh, 51% of the vote, right? Just over one, yeah. 51%. And he lost it to uh, the progress, sorry, he won it uh, against the Progress Singapore Party, which is held by a former yes. PAP cabinet minister and also is backed by the estranged brother of the current prime minister. So Singapore actually can produce some drama. La. I mean, just put it there. <laughs> okay. So now, do you think. Not as much as Malaysia, but we have our face, eh? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Malaysia Bole. We certainly, I think, beat you in this regard, including the, the, our food. I think our food is much more tasty here. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. okay. They want to start a war here. Yeah, yeah. We'll okay. need another show for this, guys. <laughs> okay, but Bole, listen, so going back to this point. Yeah. Now, do you think this uh, case of Ishwan, who led the, the GRC, right, that super constituency, yeah. the West Coast uh, group uh, GRC, do you yeah. think it's going to impact uh, the um, the outcomes of the next elections just on the, on the West Coast seat, or will it have broader broader implications? Yeah. So all things are so, so. Firstly, just a correction. So uh, the PSP, the Progress Singapore Party, is led by a former PAP Central Executive Committee member, but he was never a cabinet minister. Um. But he's sort of a high-profile defector uh, in that sense. Um, but yes, so just separate paribus, all, all things being equal, for sure this will have an impact in West Coast, but also beyond. Um, because as I said, uh, there, there, there is some reputational damage. And it's also because the PAP has such 
maybe they are a victim of their own success. They are the ones who set this standard. So Singaporeans will be judging them by this standard. Right? So for sure, I think there will be some... Uh, all things being equal, there will be some credibility loss. However, we know that that's not exactly how elections work, right? Because there's still a long way to go, right? A week is a long time in politics, right? A lot can ha- uh, happen during campaigns. And then we'll see whether the PSC manages to put up a, a strong enough team. And we don't know whether the boundaries of West Coast will still be uh, where they are. So there, there can be a lot of things that will happen. But net, net, I think for sure that this together with other things, right? What, what, it, what it could do, because... Don't forget, another important thing that is happening is the leadership transition. And it could be that Singaporeans interpret it as, oh, look, this is a, a decline in PAP standards, you know, PAP of the past, PAP of Lee Kuan Yew and of Lee Sen Loong. Uh, this used to be much better, but now we see the PAP, the new generation, they, they are, you know, romanticizing the past, and then the new generation is not as good as the previous one. Whether that's true, that's a separate matter, but that could be the perception. So it could have that effect. Um, uh, but as I said, a lot of a lot of things can can happen between now and and the elections. And of course, the PAP always finds a way. They always bounce back. They always so you cannot uh, take away the the ability of the PAP to prove itself to be resilient as well. Walid, we have just about a minute left. Um, yes. What would you like to leave us with? Yeah, so I think, uh, as I said, a lot of things can happen from now until the, the election. Uh, but definitely, uh, the Iswaran case, if by itself, uh, I think it wouldn't be... It would still be huge, but I think the PAP can sort of recover. But there are other things that have uh, happened as well. You know, the Speaker of Parliament resigning because of a, of a scandal and so on. So uh, a lot of these things are a bit cumulative. But as I said, the PAP is still in a very strong position. The opposition has not been able to fill candidates which are at the same level in mass numbers. So uh, it's going to be an interesting election, the next one. Walid, thanks for speaking with us today. No problem. Thank you. That was Walid Jumlat Abdullah, Assistant Professor of the School of Social Sciences at Nanyang Technological University, uh, helping us uh, get some insight into the S. Iswaran uh, corruption case that's currently going on in Singapore. Let us know, are you surprised that there might be high-level corruption in Singapore? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us and keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.